Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. This program offers discussion and information on experiences of chronic and invisible illnesses. It should not be used for medical advice or as an alternative to advice from medical professionals. Good evening and welcome to Chronically Chilled. Uh, my name is Mario and I'm joined today by Maurice. How are you going, Maurice? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm <laughs> um, good, thanks. Um, we're also joined by a special guest who I'm going to introduce in just a minute. Um, before we do that, we want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, um, and pay our respect to their, respects to the elders past, present and emerging. So today we're joined by Evan Young, who's a writer and a journalist. Welcome, Evan. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, We got you on today to speak about your recent article in the Overland Journal titled On Fetishizing Business and Tiredness. Can you talk a little bit about the article and kind of what led you to writing it? Sure. So that was um, uh, on fetishizing busyness. Uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, that's all right. Um, And tiredness. And I guess it started with a conversation uh, with a friend of mine when uh, I was up at the National Young Writers Festival last year in Newcastle. Um, we were, the two of us were on a, a disability panel together um, and we were just talking about how kind of uh, there's this real, um, it seems, um, I guess for lack of a better word, fetishizing of, of really wanting to be busy and broadcasting that busyness to other people uh, to let them know uh, hey guys, I'm I'm doing stuff. I'm important. The labor market values me, um, and kind of how that kind of culture that uh, by perpetuating that idea that by venerating uh, busyness uh, and wanting to be exhausted, uh, kind of uh, continues to discount the people who don't have maybe the ability to push themselves to the same limit uh, and, and how kind of frustrating that was that is to someone who is perpetually tired and exhausted that people uh, suddenly want want other people to know how tired they how tired they are it's uh, I just I just, I just remember thinking oh god if you guys could feel what I feel you know being tired and busy it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, how is it that you reckon that busyness and tiredness have become such a, like, a value in society? Um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure um, <clears throat> how it started. I haven't done um, uh, heaps and heaps of research on it. There was a, there was a podcast um, by a guy uh, from the BBC. I think his name, his name was Oliver Berkman, uh, and he... Um, he did a really good podcast series. I think it was five, uh, five, five uh, volumes um, or five episodes. Um, and I think it's just become in 
as we keep hearing about job losses and job cuts, I think um, that by broadcasting your busyness to other people, um, it, it shows how much uh, such a competitive job or labor market values you and people can say, oh, this person's really busy. Like, they must be really successful. They must be really uh, really good at what they do and and stuff like that. And um, perhaps that's how it's came to be. But I would have to maybe do a little bit more yeah. uh, research into uh, the errors gone by to, to see how exactly we got to this point. But I guess the point is that we are at this point and I feel like uh, it's, it's continuing to perpetuate um, a cycle of, uh, ableism. Yeah. Um, I was, I, as I was reading your article, I was kind of thinking um, that it kind of fits with this kind of culture of individualism that we have and this kind of um, encouragement, I guess, to always be productive, mm. you know, um, and to always kind of be doing something. And I'm thinking kind of professionally as well, mm. um, that it's kind of like a badge of honor if you're able to do all this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I was thinking kind of that, you know, it's, it's a very much an individual idea that, you know, to gain status, it's almost like a status. It is. It's definitely a status symbol. Um, I feel at least, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you, you wrote in the articles, yeah, that you're celebrating the idea that flogging yourself to the point of ruin totally resonates with me i'm job hunting at the moment and you know when prospective employers are are calling you know after reading my resume i've had to actually justify the gaps in the in my work history because i've you know i've i've been sick so it's kind of i'm justifying why there are gaps but you know being able to to articulate you know, that I'm able and ready and willing to work full time, even though I have a, a disability, it is it is really difficult sometimes because I don't want to, I guess, out myself straight out that I have a disability. So I'm having to just justify, yes, I can certainly work full time, even mm. though I actually don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just talking about this off air. Um, but yeah, I think... Um, I found, um, as someone who identifies as uh, someone with a chronic illness or disability, uh, that as soon as you disclose that fact to people, they automatically assume that uh, you're not up to the task, Mm. Um, which in some cases may be true, but I think just automatically deciding that uh, someone who, through no fault of their own, has a chronic illness or disability is... uh, is able, you know, is not as qualified for any kind of of job. Uh, I think, and is as you said, it's deeply frustrating. And at a time where um, the governments, uh, the, or the past few coalition governments, have been uh, demonising people on the disability support pension um, and really not doing much to help people with disabilities uh, find work, um, I think it's. It really doesn't help the the prospects of, of of job hunting for people identify as having a disability or chronic illness, um, and uh, their well being and their ability to earn a living. 
Absolutely. I guess going on from that, the disability support pension, how easy or difficult do you think it is to, to prove with some conditions, especially an invisible illness? Yeah, it's it's impossible. Um, I guess in answering this question, I should uh, I should I should disclose that I uh, my uh, chronic illness or uh, disability uh, is myalgic encephalomyelitis, otherwise known as ME, which uh, a lot of people call chronic fatigue syndrome, which for a plethora of reasons is just an awful name. Uh, which you could um, I could almost just talk about that for an hour, but. I digress. Um, <laughs> I think that um, when there's such a, um, in my case, um, when it's su- such an ill-defined, mysterious condition, such as ME, uh, how do you, how ca- how can you, how can you prove it when there's no, there's no tests, or there's even a lot of people in the medical community who will tell you that it's. It's a psychosomatic disorder. It's not a real thing, uh, and um, it's so many people with ME uh, and other conditions like fibromyalgia. Um, really, really, they repeatedly get denied access to that disability support pension. Um, I was really lucky to get on that um, a few years ago when I was really, really unwell. And having that government funding, I think, is really what allowed me to kind of get better in the first place because it allowed me the freedom to kind of uh, start taking, start, you know, trying to skill myself back up again and, and recover and give me a purpose and uh, help me move out of home and kind of really regain my independence. And f- while people, people who are getting denied the disability support pension on the basis that they're conditions aren't quantifiable or they're invisible um a lot of them don't get to enjoy that same privilege that i did by getting on the disability support pension and um rebuilding my life Mm. or their lives yeah we were we because um maurice and i were talking that we've both got a heart condition and there's kind of privilege in that you know in that kind of system because it is pretty much more socially accepted and things like that where you kind of get less questions. Um, that was certainly my experience going through that and kind of disability support pension kind of application process. Mm. Um, did you find the same, Marie? Yeah, I was really lucky that, well, <coughs> lucky that I have a heart condition, no, mm. but I was lucky that I had a great support network, my, you know, my GP, mm. you know, helped filled all the forms out and was my big biggest advocate uh in getting Mm. me that uh she also you know got the the disability placard that you know uh for the for a car you know so that you could get extra time being um in parking bays um but because my heart condition is invisible when i noticed that i was parking in the disability bays and I would just walk out like normal I would actually get hurled abuse because I was deemed as taking a spot from somebody with a outward physical um, impairment so even on trams like there are days where I don't have energy and I I need a seat on the tram and yeah it's very difficult for me to ask somebody for a seat because I don't want to look 
have you been yeah you've been sworn at a few times yeah, yeah I have. so have i um people will say you know there's i'll i'll build up the courage to ask somebody um for a seat uh and because i suppose i don't look like the um the that that symbol of of somebody um sitting in a wheelchair or someone with um crutches or not to say that those uh those illnesses or people with those illnesses are less uh deserving of a seat definitely not um but because we don't look like like that um yeah people will people have said to me uh you know there's nothing effing wrong with you and Oh, F off your lazy F and mm. like it's it's really quite uh, it's almost if it wasn't so uh, damaging to 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 me and to the community it's, it's almost laughable how uh, how uh, I guess ill-defined the definition of disability mm-hmm. uh, is in Australia <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why I've kept quiet about having a disability. I there is very few people that I actually tell about it because I don't want to be um, judged. Judged. Yeah. It mm-hmm. really is about that. It's taken me like I can't even believe I'm doing a radio program <laughs> about having an invisible illness because it's taken me this long to even acknowledge to myself that I have one because I don't want to be seen less than. Yeah, and I think. Um as someone who, um, some of, I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer and a journalist, but I, as someone who, who does occasionally write about disability, I would, I really don't want to be kind of pigeonholed into that, uh, disabled writer box. Uh, I don't think anyone, regardless of the struggle or oppression that they face, want to be pigeonholed into any kind of box. Cause I think in the, you know, in the end, we're all just humans, I guess, wanting wanting equality. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and at the moment where, like, this well, welfare debate kind of is always around, um, and I remember just before Christmas, I think, it was brought up again saying taxpayers are paying this much money for, you know, welfare and things like that. And it's kind of like the impl- the message behind it is kind of just like, these people should be doing better you know this kind of stuff and for me it's like of course I want to be there, out there doing more stuff in terms of work and whatever um, I don't want to be on welfare no, no you know like not. it's kind of this it's kind of this yeah. message that people, they want to be yeah. there people yeah. often say to me my housemate actually this morning said oh you're so lucky to be on government <laughs> welfare and I'm thinking well, in one sense, that is true that I am lucky to to be on it because a lot of people with my condition aren't. But at the same time, excuse me, there's no, there's no like if I had the choice to uh, be chronically ill um, or be completely able uh, and you know, able to work full time, no problem. Mm-hmm. Which one do you reckon I'd choose? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to continue this conversation in a bit. We're just going to go and have a bit of a break and we'll be back in a minute. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Chronically Chilled on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM Radio Band. We are joined by Evan Young, a writer for the Overland Journal, talking about his chronic invisible illness. How do you think having a government body or people in positions of power not having a lived experience of a chronic or invisible illness impacts us? Yeah, I mean, perhaps, um, perhaps it's 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 got to do with um, uh, so at a government or federal level at least that uh, maybe the the minister for health or the the minister for or for disability or, or illness or um, I'm not exactly what they're not exactly sure what their title is, but by having someone with uh, with no lived experience of that. Mm-hmm. Just as a number of years ago, when Tony Abbott was Minister for Women, uh, and all over the all over the world in a number of different spheres and and industries, having someone as a head of an organisation making decisions based on having not any lived experience in that, you know, in that that sphere is 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 farcical, and it uh, it, it I would love to see um, somebody um, with a disability kind of. Uh, starting to speak up about um, these sorts of things and maybe yeah. kind of infiltr- infiltrating the government. Um, yeah. There's the Scott Ludlam's Greens senator replacement, Jordan Steele John, um, has started to do that um, since being sworn into parliament towards the end of last year. Um, although something that I think totally sums up the uh, the uh, inaccessibility problem that Australia has and uh, I guess just perfectly sums up the state of play is that uh, on his first day he wasn't able to enter parliament uh, with with his wheelchair he wouldn't yeah. fit through the doors and you know mm. I guess that's just a perfect example of how people with disabilities literally can't access yeah. democracy in Australia yeah. and they yeah. literally can't get their voices heard by those people who who matter, but hopefully things will be changing mm. uh, thanks to Senator mm-hmm. Steele John's. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, just as you were, just as before you you kind of said all that, I was actually thinking about representation mm. and the lack of representation, um, and kind of how those ideas that we've been talking about, but also going going back to your article about the busyness and and kind of the tiredness and celebrating that, there's often a lack of representation mm. of people with chronic illness or yeah. disability that kind of can challenge some of those ideas. For sure. And I think for years and decades, people, white people have been writing uh, people of colour characters in their, in their, their media, um, non-queer identifying people have been writing queer characters and... Yeah. As I was saying before, without that lived experience, I really don't think you can do the do that character that you're writing uh, or that you know that that story the proper justice. Um, mm. And uh, I think, uh, I guess, as we as we go to air, I think we're about a, a week away from the Black Panther mm. Marvel movie, which seems I can only say this from a white person outside his perspective but it seems like it's really a, a landmark moment mm. for um for the black community um and i think um we're, we're absolutely still waiting for that moment to happen with um with disability because a yeah. lot of the the accessible media uh 
in relation to disability is is really quite poor uh, yeah. and really pigeonholes uh, people with uh, chronic illnesses or disability into into the cliches that um, we're we're yet to break out of. I think um, there's, if I can say one thing, I think that from an ME perspective, um, a lady named Jennifer Bray uh, in the US um, recently made a documentary called Unrest, which is Mm. on Netflix, and I encourage anyone listening to go watch it um, uh, because from an ME perspective, that's the only piece of media I've ever seen that's reflected my experience back at me from from a disability perspective. Mm. Obviously, I'm a cis white male. Mm. And every other piece of media reflects my experience back at me. But in terms of a disability um, a- angle, I think it's more things like that when, when documentaries or media are made by people with disabilities who have that lived experience, more things like that will, is what will help bring the representation to where we hopefully need it to be. Yeah, it's a great documentary. I watched it as well. So, yeah, I recommend anybody that has access to Netflix um, to check it out. But I was like, I was kind of just thinking as well, like, the way the media portrays disability and, and chronic illness as well is that it's often not done for us. It's often made to inspire others. So, Absolutely. you know, it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, ins- we're going to put this story out there to inspire you. Inspiration. And it's actually yeah. really othering. Yeah. It Absolutely. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. that's another thing that, um, that, that really irks me. Um, um, I want to hear your guys' perspective on this as well, but um, Hollywood seems to keep making movies uh, where interspersed through the trailer, you know, you'll see the words based on the inspiring true yes. story. Yes, or yes. <laughs> it, it, it really is a lot of the movies that are being made. Um, it's by a, it's often a, an able person will be portraying a mm. disabled person. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, other people who are watching can be ins- can be inspired by people with, with disabilities. Yeah. Um, often, a lot of the work that people with disabilities do in their day to day lives just to just to fit in and do their things, based on the amount of struggle that they have. They have it is ins- it is inspiring in yes. many ways, but the way that it's framed, kind of for able bodied people, uh, <laughs> is is really something that frustrates me. How about you? Yeah, totally. Totally. And I, I think there's actually like really implicit messages in all of that um, because they often don't include context in the way that they're portraying people with chronic illness or disability. Mm. Um, so you kind of see the inspiring end or, you know, this kind of stuff, but it doesn't capture the kind of everyday experiences that are actually talked about by people going through those experiences to be fair and if th- you made a movie about someone with me it would just be two hours of them lying in bed uh so like <laughs> who wants to watch that no i know <laughs> but, yeah. but at the same time there's absolutely a middle ground there's a middle ground and i think that that middle ground can sometimes be missing mm. and then a kind of people don't understand really kind so, of yeah, the experiences real, and then wasted opportunity and that's when you know you're just being lazy or you know this kind of stuff comes in mm. because people don't don't hear enough from people mm. with disability or chronic illness yeah absolutely i was mm. just thinking about you know if somebody would have a, a movie made of the illness that i have my one of my inspirations would be having a conversation while walking and being able to go <laughs> yay i wasn't out of breath 
mm. you know, by having a conversation with somebody because that actually takes a lot of work for me to concentrate on walking and talking and still breathing at the same time and not feel out of breath just walking up the road. <laughs> Mm. Um, I know that sounds pretty silly mm. to most people, but it's a conscious thing that I have to think about every day, managing my energy. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've quickly run out of time. Um, we want to thank Evan for coming in again. Um, it was great to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, Maurice, do you want to talk about the next show? Yeah, so we'll be highlighting on the 7th of March, International Women's Day. Uh, so we'll have a guest speaker um, talking about uh, various chronic illnesses. Uh, so please stay tuned in for that, International Women's Day on the 7th of March. Okay. Um, we're going to leave you with a song by Archie Roach. It's called Life is Worth Living. Um, Thanks for listening and catch you next time.